You're listening to the Food and Fitness Podcast, the show about all things related to food and fitness. Follow the show on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube at food.fitnesspodcast. We're your hosts, Jackie Vandertoon, Jessica White, and Dave Marshall. On today's episode, I am super excited. We are joined by Tracy Stewart. Tracy is a two-time world champion and bronze medalist at the 2008 Olympic Games in Beijing. In addition to her master's of science degree, she also holds a chef's diploma from the National Gourmet Institute and Culinary Arts. And to top it off, she's a married mom to two little girls. Welcome, Tracy. We are so excited that you are speaking with us today. And I've had the pleasure of knowing you for a very long time and seeing your growth all the way from the varsity basketball player to training for the national team rowing spots. And you are an inspiration to me and my husband. Um, And I often reflect on your motivation and your drive to accomplish whatever you set your sights on. Tracy, I need to know, because I would love to tap into that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Where does that motivation and drive come from? You know, that's a really great question. (laughs) A good one to kick this off. Um, I think actually I'd have to attribute it honestly Mm -hmm. back to my family. So growing up, I had a really, really encouraging family. And and really they said, you can do anything that you set your mind to as long as you work for it. It's never going to be easy, but you know, so I, and they always, if I wanted to try something, you know, okay, go give it a go, but you're going to have to figure it out. If you're getting to basketball practice, figure out how you're going to get there, but sure, go ahead. So, you know, they were, they were actually, I had an excellent family. So I'll start with that. And even back to, I remember my dad showing me a picture of his great, great grandmother and he was a baby on her lap. And on the back of the picture in her handwriting, it said, give your best to the world and the world will give its best to you. And so, you know, that imprints, you know, you, you see that and you think, oh, there's something to that, you know? So, and I grew up at a time, as did you, I'm sure, where we had incredible, incredible, epic Canadian role models. Terry Fox, Rick Hansen, Michael, well, Michael Jordan isn't Canadian, but he, like, I love him. And if you, like, what? we witnessed in those three alone were that they they had unwavering belief in themselves then they just decided you know like i'm going to do this they made a decision they believed they could and they did you know so i just to watch that as a child you can't help but be affected by that kind of power you know i think it it leaches into you if someone can get up every day and run a marathon with one leg you can do anything right like that makes me ball when i was at the terry fox monument in north like (gasps) bawling my eyes so you know i think i get it from that i was i grew up at a time where i witnessed like epic canadians and people can I, can I ask you, did you, when, because everybody goes into a well, right? That well of, oh, I call it Bob sits on my shoulder and says, just <laughs> stop, you know? Do you reach in and feel like, do you pull from those people? Like the Terry Foxes? 100%. And- Absolutely. Like, I know that there were days that 
you know, it was raining hard in the morning and you go to the lake and like, I'm in my third practice of the day, my third outfit of the day because everything's been drenched. And like, I'm getting paid peanuts to do this. Like, what am I doing here? And then you think like, come on. You know, again, it would be that, that even the image, there's a, there's a poster of Terry Fox where it's like, he got up every morning at 4.30 and he did it with no complaints. And so like, I would always remember that. He was always in the back of my mind as someone who like, just get up and go and you'll be fine once you're there. And it always is. After you start, it always is better than you anticipate. Yeah, it's getting going and getting yourself yeah. to where you need to go. And then once you get there, yeah. for me at least anyways, like that's the hardest part is just getting started and then, um, it's overcoming there. inertia, right? Like exactly. that little like, oh, but it's so cold. <laughs> <laughs> I hate the cold. I really do. That's why I'm a summer athlete. Like, <laughs> oh, anyhow, but that's awesome. just overcome the inertia and you're good to go. <laughs> so Tracy, um, food and fitness are some of our favorite things. So can you tell us why you chose to study at the National Gourmet Institute? Um, and then part two of this really big and deep question. question. Yeah. Um, how do you define fitness? And can you let us know a little bit about what fitness means to you? For sure. So uh, to start off, I chose, it's actually the natural gourmet so it's all natural, but that's fine. Oh, um, okay. Yeah, no, no worries. Uh, I was a lightweight at the time and I just finished my first uh, Olympics in Beijing. But I knew at that point in my career that I felt like I just got it, like something that like, I get this sport now. And I knew I was gonna go back for another year, but I had this one year where I decided I'm gonna take a break. My body needs a rest. I need a rest mentally, physically. And so I wanted to do other things. And so being a lightweight was really difficult for me. It meant making uh, a weight that took me down to 7% body fat. And so I felt like I was on this constant diet of bland chicken, rice, like broccoli, like horrific bland food. Like there has got to be a better way. Like there has to be a better way. So I started researching culinary schools and found the natural gourmet. And it's all, it was all focused around food for health and healing, but it was all just real whole food. But they found a way to make it like, mwah, like absolutely divine, beautiful, breathtaking and delicious. Like my mouth is watering thinking about it. So I knew that I found the school, not only because of their philosophy. I'm, I'm interested in health and, you know, that's an obsession of mine as well. So, but the other part was that it was in New York City. It's like, who doesn't want to live in New York City for at least a blink of time? Like, I had this, um, just the thought of being in this place, this vibrant place where the best of the best are there. And you go down into the metro and someone is playing with their hat on the floor and they could be on the center stage at any theater in the world. Like it's mind blowing living there. So I thought, this is it. I'm going to New York. I found my school. So that's how the natural gourmet came about. And then to the fitness one is a little more to define <laughs> fitness. Like 
I think simplistically you would say fitness is to be the ability to move your body and break a sweat every day, right? That's kind of just the basic, but it's really more than that. Fitness is being able to achieve a goal that you've set out for yourself, something physical, a task that you've said that, you know, I want to achieve this because it's meaningful to me. So like, I want to be able to go for a hike with my kids in Switzerland in two years where they've got their little backpacks and, you know, like I want to be able to hike with my family around the world. And so that's meaningful to me. So to be able to do that, so to be, have the physical capacity to achieve what's meaningful, I think. And so my grandmother is a great example. She's 92 and she gets up and walks 5k every day, you know, but she does it because she's got the philosophy of use it or lose it. So for her, fitness is just, just use it so that she can continue to live on her own, right? Independently, which she does. I called her last week and she's up on a stool, like washing her ceiling, like, stop, someone can come by and do that for you. <laughs> no, but she's like, well, why would I do that? If I stop, then I won't be, you know? So fitness is being able to complete the tasks that are important to you and meaningful. And yeah, I think that's it. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's such a loaded question, but I love your take on it. So thank you so much for uh, sharing that. Thanks. Sure. <laughs> I know a lot of times that uh, we put athletes on a pedestal, uh, and I think maybe we do that because we usually see them at their at their peak. So while they're competing, um, we don't really see the tr the struggle of the train. Um, so a lot of times um, we see them as superhumans above and beyond uh, a league of their own, and I think. For a lot of them, it is because they've worked so hard to get there. Um, right. Now, when we're talking about nutrition and exercise, and you talked about the importance of the, uh, the natural gourmet, can you explain kind of maybe how different disciplines require different kind of um, training or nutritional needs? You spoke of being a lightweight and, you know, a very bland diet, but maybe when you were doing a different sport uh, like basketball, Right. Uh, what kind of nutrition needs did you need something for that versus rowing or maybe rowing at a higher uh, weight class as well? Yeah, so that's an excellent point because they think all athletes eat alike. Well, that's totally, you know, there's different, uh, you know, physical systems that, you know, someone who's doing trampoline is going to train and eat very different than a boxer or a rower or, you know, absolutely. And so, that's really the science of sport nutrition, where you get into, okay, what energy system are you taxing? And so is it, and what is it using for fuel? So you look at, um, so our race, you're using carbohydrates solely. We're not getting into, it's not long enough to reach into the fat, you know, cells. We're not, it's, it's not anaerobic, so I'm not working without oxygen. So it's really that carbohydrates are all you need to fuel that seven minutes for me. So that's really the, the thought in, in preparing for a race or even practice is what fuel do I need to cover this workout or to cover this race? And so like apple crisp was perfect for a race. <laughs> <laughs> I have a really good story about that, but it can be another time where we can delve into it. But, you know, you really think about what is the best fuel? How am I going to get the best fuel 
for exactly this movement that I'm about to do. And then you make sure that you get it within a window that actually serves its purpose and you know gives you the energy you need to complete the task or to complete the race or the, yeah. So then if you're gonna be loading up on kind of uh, carbs for a race and there's a weather delay that can dramatically affect the effect in it or uh, the impact of the food that you've eaten versus like the results of the, con- the consumption, correct? Yeah, you exactly. And even um, for us, there was even an extra element in that we weighed in two hours prior to our race. So we had this window of two hours to rehydrate because of course making weight, I don't know any lightweight in the world that doesn't have to do some kind of dehydration to get down to weight. And then a rehydration or a refeeding kind of system to get, and then if there's been a race delay and you have to, you know, we couldn't eat again because we have to race again the next day and still make weight. So there's this like tippy teeter balance of, so yeah, but I always would think, well, at least every other lightweight is in the same situation as me right now. So, you know, that was kind of gave me peace of mind, I would say, but yes, you're absolutely right. I think delays can, can totally affect if you've eaten the timing of the food, is that going to, and probably more so in runners and marathons, I can imagine how that could be, you know, have a real effect on, you know, where something is quite a long or triathletes that are doing Ironmans. And, you know, I can see that food and timing is extremely important in those sports. Yeah, that's one of the things that I had to learn that was really tough. So I did a 50K last year. And oh my gosh. don't, like, you don't really feel like eating. And uh, it wasn't a hundred miler uh, that my husband does, but it was training yourself. Like you would just kind of hit and they'd be like, okay, I got to pull up my maple syrup here and have a sip. And then it was like, how do you keep moving and your stomach just filled with food? Like it was a real learning. Like, so you don't just go out and run, mm-hmm. you go out and you run and you practice eating at the same time, which who yeah. would have ever thought about the importance of how to eat and do activity on the same time. So really yeah really good points that you're making i love it yeah and then not sorry i was just gonna say you have me so interested in this apple crisp story i know (laughs) i kind of i kind of want to hear the story and get the recipe (laughs) would you like to hear the story yeah let's go for it let's hear the olympic the olympic grade apple crisp okay so you know i've always in the mindset when i was racing up i want to get the best nutrition possible like what is going to give me the most energy right now and so we had a regatta uh in the fall in in ontario so it was apple picking season and this was the regatta that would say whether we got the chance to qualify for the world championships that were in new zealand in november so i'm like well i just picked apples the day before this qualification regatta like well i've got to use these apples because there's so much goodness in these right now. Like they're going to make me like just every cell happy and thrive. So anyway, pick up this apple crisp and it was all a nut based crust and maple syrup and like all the good stuff. It was, and uh, oh, my mouth is watering thinking about it. But anyway, <laughs> um, I make this beautiful little apple crisp and that day we set 
the fastest time on the lake and we were the gold medal standard for all other boats. So we, we hit the highest level of gold medal standard and all boats followed. So we qualified for New Zealand. And now I'm like a hockey player, like convinced of this ritual, like, oh my God, <laughs> every race now, like going to New Zealand, I thought, well, New Zealand has apples. Like they're an apple nation. Like this, this is perfect. So we get to New Zealand and can you think I can find apple crisp anywhere at any grocery store? No, nowhere. I'm like, panic has set in. I'm like, oh no, there's no apple crisp. So I went to bakeries and I'm like scouring the city for nothing. So finally I went to the chef in the kitchen of the hotel we were staying. I'm like, look, this is going to sound crazy, but like, I am convinced like this is kind of my pre-race ritual. There's here's the recipe. Do you think you could make it for me? And I was like, yeah, sure. I guess so. We could do that. Like very accommodating. New Zealand, like Kiwis are so kind. They're like Canadians. He, you know, sure. He's appeasing me. Anyways, the next day we go and it's the heat and we set the best time on the course that day, like flew through the heat. We're in first position ranked at world championships. I'm like, it's a freaking apple crisp. It's like rocket fuel. I'm telling you, like, so I go back to the kitchen. I'm like, chef, you need to make it again. Here's the day, here's the time. Is our heat, like now we're in the semifinals. He's like, are you kidding me? I'm like, no, I'm serious. Like this is, so he makes it for the semifinals. We win the semis. I go back to the kitchen, I'm like, chef, the finals, we won. And he's like, oh my God. Like, so the next day I get to the kitchen, there's a TV set up in the kitchen for the finals. The whole kitchen's watching their apple crisp go down the course. <laughs> we win the world championships. We are world champions in New Zealand. And I swear to God, it's the apples. <laughs> Best apples ever. Like, is this apple crisp now on the menu? Pardon me? Is the apple crisp on the menu? Oh, now? I'm sure. <laughs> it has to be. It's got to be gold medal apple crisp or, yeah. or something. I don't know. Jeff has a place in world rowing history. You know oh. that now. What's up? This chef has oh, to have chef. <laughs> rowing history. You should like say, uh, you know, world champion thanks to chef. No, really, they deserve a medal. Like, and every day it was on time. It was served like there was never a delay. I I relied, I counted on them, and they pulled through. Like it was, it was awesome. That's amazing. <laughs> the world famous apple crisp story. <laughs> well, this is nice because it actually kind of ties into my question. Uh, so I, I read the article that you wrote in 2016 uh, with uh, at home on the North Shore, and uh, it was great because I. I feel like I kind of know a little bit about you when you were talking with Jackie and you're mentioning little things I'm like, Oh yeah, it's in the article. I kind of, I got into that. So um, in that article, it also goes through a bunch of times where you hit the reset button. You may have reset or changed directions drastically um, in the path that you chose, where you lived. Um, also the, the sport that you chose to carry uh, off to the Olympics. So can you dive a little bit deeper on how kind of you were able to make those decisions, um, both mentally, mentally and physically. And, you know, you had the apple crisp for the end uh, or for the world championships there, but, um, you know, maybe what, what kind of things brought you through for those uh, kind of challenges to learn a new skill or live in a new city? 
that I think even just being in the world of kinesiology and health related, you know, you really get good at adapting to things. There's even a course, Adaptive Physical Education, like you get actually quite good at, well, here's a situation. I know I need to change something. I know I'm going to change it. So what's, what am I going to do? So it's making a blueprint. It's like, okay, here's where I am. It's almost like looking at yourself in the mirror and saying, all right, really looking at who that is in the mirror and saying, this is what's going on right now. This is either where I want to be or not where I want to be, you know, and then if it isn't where you want to be, then what do I need to change to make that happen? And, and not being too hard on yourself. Like don't make it worse than it is. Don't make it better than it is. It is what it is. And just start where you are. Right. I think that's the thing. And, and when I live in a new place or in a new city, I think the big thing for me has been sport. So it's finding a club. It's finding like-minded people, my kindred spirits, right? Like Anne of Green Gables is my kindred spirit. So like kindred spirits are for me, the people that are outdoors and active and, and like a challenge. And, you know, it's, and it became my, the rowing family. So in Calgary. And then when I was in New York, it was in my chef training class and my, you know, all my culinary buddies. So wherever you are, you find your tribe. And then when you're with your peeps, it's always uplifting and you're always, you've, you've got an automatic group. It's really amazing with sport. Sport is so good that way, is that no matter where you are, you can find a tribe of people that are like-minded. So yeah, I think that's, that's how I spin and pivot and get through. <laughs> yeah. I love that answer because that is so you. That's how I see you as who's my tribe and I'm just gonna do it. And you know, you inspire my husband and myself because we often say, what would Tracy do, right? And when you're feeling kind of the wah, wah, it's what would Tracy do? Tracy would go off and find her tribe. So uh, that is so you. Tracy, one of the things I love about getting older is getting wiser and focusing on the important things in life, like family and simply slowing down. And, you know, certainly we all have those feelings of inadequacy at times. And can you share with us how uh, important mental health is to you now at your age in your stage of life? So... For sure, mental health is, to me, it's just doing the things that bring you joy and eliminating all the noise. You know, if there's beakers on the sidelines, if there's like, you know what? If they don't bring you joy, then there's not worth putting your energy and time into that. So really at my stage of life, it's, I, I'm chasing my bliss. I'm doing the things that make me happy, right? That bring me joy. and because of that, that it's positive emotion and positive psychology increases your mental health. It, you, I'm getting hit with dopamine and endorphins all over the place. When you're doing the things that you love, like being in my garden, weeding even, like when you look at the garden at the end, it's like beautiful. And so seeing beauty in your surroundings and that brings me joy. Yeah, maybe not so much actually pulling the weed, but 
when you look at it at the end of the day, it's like, oh, so beautiful. You know? So I think that's what keeps me mentally sane. And I always go back to that question. Does this bring me joy? Am I doing something just being obligated? You know, am I doing this talk at a school because I feel like I'm obligated to? Like, no, you know what? When I get there and I speak to those children, like, I light up and I'm on fire and it brings me joy and I leave there way more jazz than when I entered. So like it's saying yes to those things and no to things that I'm like, I'd rather jump off the bridge than do that one. <laughs> you know, like, no, I really wouldn't. I'm not. <laughs> yeah. But I think keeping that as your guide, like that's my compass. It's just amazing. I could, I, I love chatting with you because I can feel your energy radiating off of you. You're so uh-huh. positive, so uplifting. Um, but if you were to talk to your 20 year old self today, what advice would you give that young woman um, when it comes to life and lessons um, that you have learned regarding both food and fitness throughout the years? And where would you tell her to focus her energies on? Yeah, so 20-year-old Tracy was at Acadia drinking way too much. <laughs> so the first thing I would tell her would be, okay, lay off the booze. <laughs> you got it. Like, but, well, in all honesty, I think that uh, for any young person, it's, you know what, just enjoy. Alcohol is there to enjoy. Um, love the flavor of it. Enjoy the taste, but know your limit. And it's also great to throw in a rinse cycle every now and then, like get some water, throw in a rinse cycle. It's all good. (laughs) So that would be kind of number one on the food. That's kind of beverage. Food side of things, I would say, though, just eat real food. Just keep eating real food and don't put the junk in because the junk slows you down and it has there's nothing good about it. You know, it's harder to do everything when you're sluggish and trying to you know, work off that Big Mac that you just (laughs) plowed down with the basketball team. Like, you know, (laughs) so just eat whole, good, real food that you know is going to nourish all of your cells. Stick with that. And then in terms of fitness, I think, again, it's, it comes back to joy. Keep doing what you love. Keep doing what makes you happy. I loved playing basketball, but then there was a point where, you know what, I was a bench warmer and I didn't love being on the bench, (laughs) you know, so it was time to move on from that sport. So there always comes a time of just follow, you know, if you're loving it, keep going. If you're not loving it, time to like move on and find something new. So fitness wise, if you follow your passion and do what you love, then good things will come to you. I would tell her that. Amazing. There we go. <laughs> so uh, we're all kind of on a journey to better health. And part of that journey may include travel, uh, you know, with the sports that you did in world championships, you did some traveling um, and with traveling, you get to experience new culinary adventures. Uh, where would you go, say city or country and just revisit that place for a single meal? I'm going to ask you, but I'm also going to ask the rest of us, like, where would that single meal be uh, for you guys to go back to? Okay, who's going to go first? You are, because you've done more traveling than <laughs> I can tell you around the world. Pick a city. Okay, let's, okay. If I one, you got you got to pick one. Okay. Oh, God, that's hard. 
I have so many cities and so many restaurants, but I would say one of the, can I pick two? Can I do two? Just sure. Okay. You're the guest. We'll give you two. <laughs> All right. So one, I would say if you're in Paris, if you find yourself in Paris, there's the bicycles all over the city called Valibes. So hop on a Valib, get yourself on the bike trail and stop at any patisserie or boulangerie because like to die for the bread and the baguettes, like everything is just like melt in your mouth. The croissants, like, oh. So hop on a Valibes, get yourself to a boulangerie or a patisserie and there you go. That's gonna be an experience of a lifetime. But in terms of restaurants, I would say that one of my favorites is in Berkeley. So if you're in California, you'll find yourself in Berkeley. Chez Penny is, um, so Alice Waters was one of the first in the movement of just real whole simple food. Just keep it simple. And it, there's beauty in that and there's flavor in that. So her restaurant is Chez Penny and it's a year waiting list to get into. Um, and I got us in accidentally. I, I convinced the waiter to let us in basically like a vagabond, but <laughs> probably one of the best meals of my life. It was so delicious. And I was a lightweight at the time on a training camp and it was my husband's birthday. And like, just to be able to sneak away from the training camp and get in the back door and sit down and it's a prefix meal. So you can, you know, it's whatever is fresh and in season and it's paired with wine. Oh, it's like to die for. So Shapeny is the, yeah, in Berkeley. <laughs> that sounds so good. And I am the complete opposite. I hardly travel out of Canada. I've been to New York and I've been to Florida, but most of my trips have been within our own provinces in Canada. Um, and I feel like when we go away, we always find a steak restaurant. Um, so there is this amazing restaurant and I haven't been in years and I kind of forget, I think it's called Fire Grill in Montreal. Um, and it was, it kind of just took us as a complete surprise. We're kind of wandering around before the age of smartphones and just wandered into this restaurant. It was unreal. Uh, um, so I'm going to choose two as well. And they're both going to be in Montreal because I can't choose between the two of them. Um, <laughs> And you can't go to Montreal without trying a poutine. So my second choice is a poutine, but it's with mushroom gravy. Um, wow. And I think it was from a place called U Burger. Um, again, we just stumbled across it. And I think I had a burger, but I can't remember the burger. I just remember the poutine. It was so good. <laughs> Very Canadian. Canadian. <laughs> I love it. My answer is going to be super boring because um, my food tastes are actually the company that I keep. And it's not necessarily the meal. Like I remember being in Calgary and there was a friend of ours who was a chef. His name was Chris Tappen, still is Chris Tappen. And he made <laughs> the best potatoes and it was mashed potatoes with some red wine and I th or beet juice or something. They would melt into my mouth. But we had so much fun sitting on the deck. Ah. And I think for me, it doesn't, like I could be at the best restaurant and have the best food. And if the company's crap, the food's crap. Yeah. That's how I kind it's true. of. Yeah. That is a hundred percent. I totally agree with that. Yeah. You, know, so you can pull off on a little dirt middle of nowhere place and hogs heaven, for example, like that, you know, get pulled pork from a paper. But if you're with people that are, yeah, the people make the meal. 
the atmosphere. It all is part of it. I love that. Mine's kind of boring. Dave, you? (laughs) Okay, I'm going to pick two as well. Um, So I think, yes. Uh, One, I'm going to keep one Canadian. Uh, So uh, the Mallard Cottage in Kitty Vitty. Uh, so that's in Newfoundland. Uh, Joe and I went, I made reservations over a month ahead and we oh. went and just sat on the beer garden, uh, had some snacks. We got out of control when it came to food and we ordered way too many appetizers. I'm looking at her and she's like, yeah, uh, <laughs> we got way out of hand with appetizers. The, the main course was mind boggling. Uh-huh. And then the guy came uh, after he's like, do you guys want dessert? We're like, well, what do you have for dessert? He's like, we just do dessert. And like, we'll bring you a whole bunch of like bites. And we're like, oh, 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 sure, whatever. Yeah, dessert for two. And he's like, okay. And oh, like every single meal, like set part of that meal blew everything out of the water. Uh, I had to storm into the kitchen and be like, thank you guys. Like you uh, killed it. It was delicious. Um, Second one, I was going to, I'd say uh, Stuttgart, Germany. We're sitting uh, right outside like the main square and we're having beer that's brewed in the restaurant we're having uh schnitzel and like uh fried pork hock uh this is not a lightweight meal uh but like (laughs) but then we were just we were enjoying it and in the middle of the park they're doing an opera so Uh it's just like everything was just perfect and it was like okay this is one of those moments that i'm gonna remember forever and it, it really was so Perfect. for me, those are my, my top two meals I would travel to again. Nice. I don't think I could ever repeat them, but definitely worth trying. Amazing. I love it. <laughs> uh, why, why do I always feel hungry after this podcast? <laughs> we talk about this so much. Oh, I need to start planning this before dinner or something. <laughs> Tracy, you have a new obsession and that obsession is functional medicine and you're currently working on your certification with the functional coaching academy uh you're going to end up with so many letters behind your name it's going to be ridiculous by the way (laughs) can you share with us what functional medicine is why is this your new obsession and what do you plan to do with your coaching certificate yeah so Functional medicine came to me, really, I had no idea that it existed before January of this year. Um, We were given a health challenge by a group that my husband belongs to. And one of them was led by Dr. Mark Hyman, who is one of the leading experts in functional medicine. And he's partnered with um, Cleveland Clinic, and they formed the Functional Medicine Academy or Institute, Functional Medicine Institute. Um, And it is where really you're looking at medicine in a whole new way. So medicine in the way that we know it, you know, that most people know it, the majority of people would be that you go to the doctor, the doctor gives you a diagnosis based on all of these symptoms that you're having, and then say, okay, so you've got this, and they hand you the diagnosis. And then they say, okay, and here's the prescription that we can use to counter these symptoms. So the difference in functional medicine is that the doctor will do the same, you know, go through some tests, give you a diagnosis, but then say, okay, you've got irritable bowel syndrome, let's say, but why? 
So before I write a prescription, let's dig more into the, like what is upstream from that, right? So what's causing that in the first place? So we've got seven different systems in our body. So you've got your respiratory system, your circulatory system, you've got you know, your endocrine system, all, all the systems. And then in each of those, is there something that's out of balance, right? So what's in balance, what's not? And, and can that be fixed with lifestyle factors? Can it be fixed with food? Can it be fixed with exercise? Can it be fixed with mindset and your positive psychology? Can it be fixed? You know, and it's using the power within to start the healing process. And so it's finding that. And I just think like, does that not make sense? Like, really, people like, and I'm not saying I don't believe in modern medicine. Like, if I was diagnosed with cancer, I would say yes to chemo and yes to radiation. But at the same time, I would say, okay, but in the meantime, what can I eat? Like, what is feeding the cancer cell? Why is it growing in the first place? What can I do? What can I put on the end of my fork? Because this contains information that, that talks directly to the cell, right? And can, and can heal, like food is medicine. And so, I'm totally obsessed with it right now. I absolutely love the field. And so I found that um, as part of the Institute, they have an adjunct coaching academy. And so a health coach works with a functional medicine doctor. So once a diagnosis has been given, then the, the patient is going to see the health coach to say, okay, like, yes, you've been given a shit. Okay, you've been given a shitty diagnosis. Now, like, what are we going to do to help you and bridge that gap between, okay, you need to, let's look at some things in your wellness wheel. What can we change? What can we, and then I'm more the guide. I'm like, you know, climbing the mountain with them. I'm not taking the steps for them. I'm just being the mountain guide to like, all right, you want to explore food? Let's do that. You know, and you kind of work with the person because part of health and healing is really the belief in what you're doing too. Right? So the person that is on that journey needs to absolutely have belief and faith in what they're doing because otherwise it's not going to work. And so the answers are within and the coach will just help bring that out. And so I'm really excited to put my shingle up in September. Um, I've got a new little business that I, I'm working on and getting my courses ready and some online stuff, but it's inspired health is what I'm going to call it. So here, I'm telling y'all first, you're the first to hear the name. Uh, this is the, my first public outing of the name. So Inspired Health is coming soon to a theater near you. <laughs> That's amazing. And I wish you all the best. And I feel like as you're talking about this, you're really talking like directly to me. Because um, this is kind of touching on the journey that I have been um, talking about on the podcast the last couple of months. Um, so I have had some issues with my own health. And now I'm trying to figure out those food triggers. Um, I've been told, you know, IBS and reflux. So it's a mix of the both. And I have a health team that I'm working with. Um, but functional medicine, it really sounds like exactly what yeah. I need. Like, I mean, it just makes the most sense to kind of start at the roots and figure out why, um, right. you know, before Where you are the imbalances. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so I know you aren't a physician and can't diagnose. However, mm -hmm. I'm interested um, in your thoughts and um, on your background as a former elite athlete and natural food chef, um, the impacts of your health and your families with all of this. 
Yeah. So I honestly believe like, and I, I really always have that like food can either be a weapon of mass destruction or it can be, or it can be medicine, right? It can be your, and so in having a family, it, well, in performance, especially we think about formula one and the gas that you put in the tank, like is the best, it's not, you know, the cleanest. So why wouldn't we do that for a body? So as an athlete, that's the mindset that I had was just eat clean, whole, real, beautiful food, because that's going to produce the best performance. Yeah. And then when I had kids, you know, I thought, well, it's no different with them. You know, we're, we're in a world of screens and ADD is being diagnosed at like probably epidemic proportions. And, and so I think like, just go back to the simplicity of all things that are real. And so we grow our own food. We have our garden, a massive garden in the summer. And I've always ate that, like taught the girls from the beginning where their food comes from. And so we live in a place where I'm lucky I can drive down to the local fisherman and get it right from him off the end of the dock. And I can see my cow wandering in the field in the summer. That's my hamburger for tonight's dinner. Like, you know, I, I, it's, but it's, That's, we're fortunate. So, and I think if, so I'm teaching my kids that way and trying to role model with them. And we've eaten more pesto because of growing way too many basil. You know, they get overkill too. They start to rebel after a little while. (laughs) But um, I think it's just, as a family, it's important just to explore where your food comes from, keep it real and let the girls come into the kitchen and learn. You're never too young to learn, I don't think. And so, they eat crazy foods when we go out to, you know, other families' homes, when the girls are eating sushi without a problem, it's like, but they just eat what we eat. I'm not going to accommodate for them. You know, yeah. it's when they are just used to that, that's just how they grew up. They don't know any different, you know, and, and you can see that one of the, um, my friends is, she's Indian and she has very spicy, like really spicy food, but her little people, you know, the three and four year olds, I mean, the spicy food, like it's no big deal. So really they just eat what you eat and, and you know that it's good for them. And so as a mom, I just want to be the best role model. You're, they have little eyes that are watching you 24 seven. So if you can be the best role model that you can be and teach them that it's delicious and enjoy food, like enjoy it, love it. Like it's, it's have a great relationship with it. I think that's, and that will lead to good health. You know, that's, it all comes back to that in the end. Like, why are we doing this? Why are we eating this way? Because we want our health span to equal our lifespan, mm-hmm. right? Like we want to live right to the bitter end, healthy and vibrant and full of life. And so that's why we're doing it. And we talk about Nanny. Like I talk about Nanny with my kid. Why is she 92 and still able to do it? Because she grew her own food. And she, she made every meal. I don't know if she ever goes to a restaurant. Like, she's made every, you know, she's baked her own bread from the time she was probably 12. Like, so yeah, I think just you're gonna, health will equal lifespan. Health span equals lifespan if we keep cultivating this habit within our households. Yeah, for sure. And I see that in, in my household too. Um, I'm a mom of a kindergartner. He'll be going into grade one in the fall. It's crazy how time, how fast uh, time flies. 
Um, and yeah, you've, you've mentioned that you have two young girls as well. So I would like to know, and we talked a little bit on the food, but how has your life changed um, as a former athlete and now a mom? So I'm sure that there's been a lot of pivots, um, but can you share with us um, some of the differences that you've noticed over the years? Yeah, sure. I think being a mother is harder than being an Olympian. <laughs> I'll start there. I'm pretty sure. Like high fives to every mom in the world or every parent in the world. It doesn't have to be a mom. It's like, anyway, the di biggest differences, I think, uh, honestly come down to when you're solo, when you're planning, you know, it's very focused and it's very intentional. You're going to bed at this time and you're going to sleep this many hours and you're going to eat this food warm at this time, <laughs> you know, like, and so everything's regimented as an athlete. And then as a mother, like the best made plans are like out the window. Like, you know, there's two little people that will throw off every plan under the sun that you've had. So, you know, you might want to go to bed at nine, but somebody else can't get sleep. So, you know, you're up till, and then sleep is totally I have never been more sleep deprived in my life. Like really, <laughs> really bad. So my two never slept. And even now I have like one is just turned eight and my other, my youngest will turn seven in August and the youngest still doesn't sleep through the night. I'm not even joking. Like mothers with three weeks old who are telling me, oh, they sleep through the night. I'm like, I'm gonna kill them. Like, <laughs> three weeks old and sleeping through the night? Like, what have I done wrong? <laughs> so really, honestly, sleep has been a really major issue for me. And I'm blaming it on Brooklyn. This is going down in history. <laughs> um, yeah, she'll be in therapy years later because I'm blaming her or something. But anyway, um, yeah, that's a big difference. Like, I always slept well as an athlete. And, and now... It's really, it's really not so, not so ideal. <laughs> but, I, hear, um, I definitely hear you there on the sleep. My little guy, like he just turned six last weekend and he's kind of sleeping through the night, but not really. Um, so there's definitely a reason he's an only child because <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, sleep deprivation. It's a killer. <laughs> it's a real thing. It's yeah. Real thing. <laughs> Maybe that's why I never had siblings. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. I won't tell you. My kids are both pretty good sleepers. So anyways, <laughs> sorry. Tracy, this question actually comes from Randy because uh, he wants to know, and you know you hold a very special place in our hearts. Um, and again, we often ask, our question is always, what would you do? And, and that really helps direct us because you've got special gifts, not only as an athlete, but as just a person. But we look at you, and, and I remember, um, so I'm just going to tell a quick story. We were hiking in Waterton up a mountain, and uh, Jill was, which is a friend, you know, uh, was, was hiking as well. And Randy and Tracy and other people ran up the mountain, um, and you were competing, I think, ne not necessarily. And Jill and I just hung back because we're like, you let those crazy people go. But that's something that you do. You just go full board and what you do. And we want to know what's the difference. And, and, you know, we call ourselves normal people in this podcast. Um, what's the difference between athletes and normal people? What makes an athlete an athlete? And 
can normal people, and, and so I look at it and it, maybe it's an X factor, can normal people attain that X factor, do you think? Yes, absolutely. Okay, first of all, athletes are normal people. So let's just get to the cut the chase right there. Athletes are normal people. We're all like, we breathe the same air. We drink the same water, like we're all, we're the same people. I think the differentiator is sometimes there's a little bit more competitive. Like I think there's people that are born with more competitive nature, but I really, if I'm reflecting on myself, um, something that I did interesting recently actually was, have you heard of the VIA Institute? It's the Values in Action Institute, and they study uh, character strengths. So what is it about you that makes you you? What is it about the athlete that makes them like crazy and not running up now? You know, like, so I took the test. I did the VIA character test, and one of my top five strengths was bravery. And bravery was defined really as that despite knowing the outcome, because the outcome is unknown you'd go ahead and do it anyway. So it's the, I'm doing it. I've decided, and now I'm going for it. And I don't care what the outcome is. I don't worry about it. It's just, you go for it. And I think really that's, that might've been the character strength for me that took me to the podium. It was just my bravery and, and no fear of giving it a go. But then I think everyone's got different character strengths that may be there diamond in the rough it may be the thing that drives them so take the it's a free test you can go on the via institute take the test find your five top character strengths it's really cool actually and you see you know it does shape you and your character is something you're born with I believe interesting I I totally get that I see the bravery in you that totally makes sense thank you that's awesome yeah, yeah. <laughs> So we've plugged a couple things here now, your new business that is coming out soon, uh, the VIA Institute. Um, I hear that there's maybe something else that we can plug as well uh, that probably uses the same kind of quality uh, ingredients that you guys are talking about, about growing your own food, um, quality barrels, quality mm -hmm. aging. I'm talking about some quality spirits. Oh, yeah. Please dive into... <laughs> what this other venture is because Jackie was kind of or you guys were all watering your mouth watering when we were talking about dinner I'm kind of getting a little excited about uh about whiskey it's it's something <laughs> I I'm a big fan of uh, I I'm into yeah. bourbon uh it's what I've got into uh so Caldera all did right. I pronounce it correctly yeah you did okay tell tell me more because I I saw your website I actually know a barrel maker in how or in uh, Nova Scotia so they're on the southern end um, so I kind of have a little idea of, of what's going on, but tell me more about it. Yeah, so that is like the yin and the yang, right? There's all this clean and healthy and beautiful, like, and then there's whiskey. <laughs> Which um, is also clean and healthy because yeah, it's right? distilled. <laughs> it is. It's a spirit. Like yes. Anyway, so how that all came about is we, when my husband and I decided to start our family. We moved back home to Nova Scotia, where I'm from. And my husband's an entrepreneur. And he, you know, it, and no matter where we are, and, you know, no matter what city, what province, he looks for the opportunity, like, well, what could we do here? And so 
we were at my parents' house and they live on a cape. And um, one side we're looking out over the ocean and the back side is all farm farmland, farm fields. And, um, and so they're drinking scotch at the time. <laughs> and Janet said to my dad, you know, I think we could make this. And dad's like, yeah, boy, I think we could, <laughs> you know? So, you know, you can grow barley, you can grow wheat, you can grow rye extremely well here. So like that was on a Tuesday. And on the Thursday, we were in an airplane to Scotland to like, well, if you don't go, you don't know. So this is my husband, you know? So I'm like, okay, here we go. He suits me to a T. It's like best match. So off we go to investigate, do market research. So before we left Scotland, we put an order in for a still. We had no farmland. We had nothing. We had no building. We had no equipment, nothing. Like zero, just an Wait, idea. We had an idea. So we get home to Nova Scotia and now we need to create this thing because there's a still coming. So, <laughs> so we found 200 acres and really close to my parents in River John. So it's, uh, you know, farmland is a dime a dozen because people are leaving the country and moving to the city. So to pick up farmland, it was actually quite reasonable. So check, secured the land. <laughs> then we needed to build a building. So, you know, all the pieces that come together and build a brand. And so over the, I mean, it's been now since 2012 that began. So now we're in it, we're in the thick of it. And now we have this beautiful Caldera whiskey that's field to table, like we field to bottle, I should say. <laughs> um, you know, we're, We've had some ups and downs with our crops. I, you know, we're trying to grow all organic, which everybody says can't be done. And I say like, it can be, we just need to find a way. But the first year our crops went in, so we grew corn and every single ear of corn had a uh, corn worm in it. I'm like, oh, there goes that one, trial and error. <laughs> but you know, it's it's been really just, the joy of learning and discovering something new and trying to perfect it's the same thing as a world class you're trying to be the best in the category so like tasting and the nuances with blending and you know we've had our fair share of burnt tongues and <laughs> burnt noses and <laughs> but it's been quite a journey and so now it's you know it's part of our family it's grown with us for the last however many years 2012 till now I guess we're almost coming up on 10 years. So yeah, Caldera whiskey, look for it in the NSLC <laughs> and in Alberta. I'm sorry, Ontarioites, it's not in the LCBO, unfortunately, but you can lobby for us. <laughs> and if you really want to go under the cover of darkness, you can put an order in for maple syrup or olive oil, anything liquid that we can safely <laughs> that we can safely ship out of Nova Scotia. I can go to my postmistress and say, you know, she says, what are you shipping? Oh, just a jug of maple syrup. No, me. <laughs> no, this is between us friends, just between us. <laughs> okay, so that gets edited out. And all of the women, no, no, you don't have to edit, it's okay. <laughs> so can we put our order in for it? Jade, how many jugs of maple syrup do you want? I like, um, I hear there's two kinds of maple syrup. So I like, I'd like to try both maple okay. syrups. 
And then that's Yeah. The one maple syrup and one olive oil. So I'll, I'll get the same as David. Yeah. <laughs> perfect. Me three. All yeah. around. Maple <laughs> syrup for everybody. There you go. There's always a way. There is always a way. That's <laughs> what you have to remember. So I did go on the website to order and it was like, stop. And I thought, wah, wah. But um, I yeah. thought. Yeah, you're not allowed to actually ship across borders. So you can within Nova Scotia. We can ship within province, but it's not legal in Canada yet to ship outside of, it's, it's a provincial jurisdiction. So, but they're making waves. I think wine is now allowed. It is. So spirits are next. Yeah. So we're, it's being reviewed. It will be, hopefully, you know, spirits are just that much more powerful. There's a little more potency there. So mm -hmm. a little more, you know, a little more review needs to happen for that guy. <laughs> Maple syrup on my pancakes. <laughs> yeah. Actually, so tying, only... tying whiskey and maple syrup together, I did try Actually, a maple syrup that was aged in whiskey barrels. It was phenomenal. <laughs> it's true. And, and yeah. I have a really good cocktail for you. Here you go. Here's one for the book. So cold, this is summer, ice cold coffee with your ice cubes. Uh, you know, uh, let's say an ounce and a half of caldera. Match that, an ounce and a half of maple syrup. And put a little, um, you know, whipped cream on top with some cinnamon. Mm. Oh my gosh, it's just like a frappuccino. It is freaking divine. Delicious. But it only I works with Caldera. It doesn't work with anything else. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it's really good. It's a nice yeah. summer cocktail. Oh, that sounds delicious. That sounds amazing. All right. We're going to, we're going to take ourselves back on board here for a second. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, so as an athlete, uh, as a mom, as someone who's changed sports, changed uh, educational programs, someone who wants to get back into it. Um, you know, we've kind of probably been a little sedentary too long uh, with the pandemic. Let's get that, let's get that Olympic world champion advice. What would you say to someone who wants to get back into it? Uh, you know, what's their best way to get physically, mentally past that, that first step? first hurdle where do they go you know I think first of all recognizing that it's just part of the cycle you know if you have gotten to a place where you don't want to be it's just a life cycle of health and fitness and it's you know there's actually a a model in psychology called the stages of change and kind of a relapse is just part of it so you know telling someone you know everyone does this it's, it's actually part of the cycle like don't be surprised like this is fine and just look where you are as that's where you are right now and and let's meet you where you are let's begin there and so I think the first thing that I would do is to say like there's a lot of things that you can do and it can be overwhelming to start. If you look at yourself in the middle and there's a wheel around you of all the things that affect you as a person and affect your health and your fitness, there's all these different spokes. So there's your nutrition, there's your exercise, there's your relationships, there's the money issue. Like there's, you know, there's all of these things that are affecting you, even emotions. So if you're trying to tackle every spoke all at once, it's going to be, you know, a flat tire. 
So I think that the best advice for someone to get back on is to say, okay, you know what? You know, you want to make a change. You said you want to make a change. So of all of these things in your wheel, your wellness wheel, what is the most important thing to you right now? What would make the biggest impact if you did one thing this week? What would the biggest impact be? What would that one thing be that you'd like to tackle first? Just one, right? So if it's, you want to be ready with a meal plan for the week, then just write a meal plan. Like just do that one thing and don't even worry about following it. Just write it the first week, like make it something that's actually doable, you know, like have, and then the next week check in again, like how did it go? So as an athlete, you're always checking back to, okay, I've tried something. And then at the end you need to reevaluate. Did it work? Did it not work? So I don't think there's any such thing as failure. There's either it worked or it didn't, right? Like it's, it didn't fail. You tried. So it did, you made progress in some way. You made a step forward. So the biggest thing to get people to back, to get back going is just to build momentum by doing one thing and one thing only that is, you know, we can't talk about smart goals. So something that's specific, something that they can measure, something that's attainable, like it's actually and realistic. And you've got a timeline. Okay, I'm going to do this by next Sunday. So, and, and then, then it's now, it's an agreement. You've told me, you've said it out loud. I'm going to come back to you. And we're going to talk about this again next week. So like, you know, so it's really that. And then people get excited because they think, I can do one thing, right? Like, that's no biggie. And I, yeah. That's the most important thing, I think. Just don't get overwhelmed. Tackle one problem at a time and keep the momentum of, keep the wheel going. I think that's great advice. And uh, a lot of people are, are might have a hard time getting that first step. But I think, um, you know, every race, you know, starts with one, that first step. You right. know, every time that you're in the, in, the, in the boat, that first pull of the paddle that's what gets you going right and once uh once you get past that you're going and i can speak from experience um i mean i was not an olympian uh, but a high school athlete that had college potential and it got to the point of uh due to an injury um i kind of stopped and then kind of getting back into fitness i mean i really had a hard time making that first step but once i got it like the second step was a lot easier the third one right. easier than that you know three four five next thing you know you know you have to have it yeah it's, it's great. It's, and that's, that's it. Just, I think I would, same thing as you just encourage people to do that one thing. Yeah. Once you get that going, keep it up. Yeah. And then to recognize like, you know what, you're going to be at a place where you're just maintaining and don't be surprised when, you know, it falls again and then you just pick it up. So just reassuring people that it's a cycle. There's a life cycle of this and where you are is where you are and not be disappointed in that and just find there's always areas of improvement, even when you're at the top, the highest level of sport, like there's still 5%, you're doing 95% of the things, right? There's still 5% to work on. Like, so there's always something, but pick one. Kind of get out front, stay out front, don't shit your pants. <laughs> you read them. I did, I did. Milan Yurimovic, he is the coach that is always in my head. Tracy, Tracy. This is very simple. Get in front, stay in front, and don't shit pants. <laughs> yeah, Milan Yuramovic, that is the best advice 
ever given to me by any coach. <laughs> oh, that yeah. is so funny. <laughs> Tracy, you and you are so inspiring. I love your passion. I love your energy. I love your enthusiasm. Um, you're contagious. You're infectious. Oh. And um, I can't thank you enough for sharing your your stories. I feel like I should go and eat apple crisp now. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, is there anything that you would like to leave our listeners with? And I'm really excited, by the way, of your new endeavor into functional medicine. I think you will rock it um, because you are who you are and you'll be successful. Yeah. But is there anything you want to share with our listeners, piece of advice, um, anything like that? Um, hmm. I think the words of wisdom from my great, great grandmother, just take it back to the very beginning is give your best to the world and the world will give its best to you. I think that's really a nice little guiding principle and, and chase your bliss, find your joy, no matter what it is. And, and just, yeah, live a, happy, healthy life. You know, I think that's, that's the goods. I love it. Yeah. Thank you so much, Tracy. Uh, Thank you. I like, I've thoroughly enjoyed our conversation. It's been a lot of fun. It's amazing to reconnect with you, Jackie, and, and to meet two newbies. Now you're part of my tribe. <laughs> so yeah, it's been great. Thank you so much for having me. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for joining. Thanks, Tracy. Tracy is truly an inspiration to me in so many ways, but her joie de vivre, dedication and perseverance are some of her qualities that I take away from her when I think of her. And we all have people that we look to to inspire us to be better in our health journeys. Um, Dave, I'm going to start off with you. Who are some of the people who inspire you in your health journey and why? Well, I think for me, uh, some of the inspirations, uh, I mean, as a type one diabetic, I can relate to uh, other type ones. So there are athletes out there uh, who are type one. Um, currently, Max Domi uh, is a type one diabetic, and I've, I've read his book, so it was kind of uh, really eye-opening on the kind of things that he's able to accomplish um, as a type 1 diabetic to stay motivated to keep his uh, game at uh, such a high level. Um, there's other things like Instagram um, followers. There's Unlikely Hikers, uh, which is a group of uh, people who do not meet the physical ideology of what maybe a hiker would look like. And they talk about how um, you know different uh, backpacks for people who are a little bit larger, don't fit the same, like we can't wear the same backpacks as maybe most other athletes would. And those for me are the people uh, where I get a lot of inspiration from because they're the ones that are outside of the, um, I guess the ideology of what uh, a healthy person would look like. And I think, um, you know, you talk to, or you look through so many different kinds of uh, athletes, you look at a football team that whole entire team looks completely different and it all depends on their position and because they're all built to do different tasks and alignment is going to be built completely different than, um, than the linebacker or as a, a quarterback, but they're still considered athletes and they still get paid obscene amounts of money to perform uh, a task, but they're built for it. And I like something that I've become more comfortable with recently is I don't look 
like a fitness model, but I feel like I'm in the best shape of my life. And that's what I love is um, the inspiration is there, but it was when I got over maybe what everyone else was supposed to think that I was supposed to look like or what I thought I was supposed to look like because of what everyone else said, that's where I was better. And I found the inspiration from those other people who I can relate to. That makes sense? A hundred percent. Yeah. So for me, I think it was more of a mental game. And once I got over that mental hurdle, the physical was more enjoyable. Mm. Yeah. Jess, how about you? Who inspires you and why? It's such a loaded question, Jackie, because I can't really pinpoint it to one person. Um, I feel like with anything, um, like from, so my career as a graphic designer, I pull inspiration from everywhere for design. And I feel like it's the same for my health journey. Um, Instagram is definitely a huge, um, because it's just all visual, but it's visual storytelling. And um, I, I think I pull a lot of inspiration from different types of foods that I eat or different stories from people who have been on similar journeys um, from Instagram. But I think one TV show, or it's on Netflix anyways, that's really pulled and motivated me a lot is um, Down to Earth with Zac Efron. If anyone has ever watched that, I love that show. And I feel like it was kind of a pivot moment um, just around the globe, they go through and they try to find different superfoods, but the stories um, of the people that they find, it's just so inspiring. And I think on a, on a more personal level, um, my family, they are a huge inspiration. Um, both my, my husband and my son, obviously they're the reason that I get up in the morning and do what I do, but my extended family and my, my grandfather um, definitely, role models and inspiration. So my grandpa, when he was younger in his, in his younger days, um, he played or he played with um, the Rangers farm team. And then he got in a, he got in a really bad car accident when he was 19. He, um, a drunk driver hit him. Thankfully no one died in the car, but he was hospitalized. And back then, I mean, he was, he's 83 now. So when he was 19, obviously medicine isn't, wasn't what it is today. Um, they pulled him in on the trolley, left him in the hallway and said, you know, this, this guy is not going to make it. So fast forward a couple weeks and they said, okay, he's going to make it, but he's never going to walk again. Um, and here he is 83 and just full of life and inspiration. And, um, you know, that's, if, if he can, if he can do it and he can get back on those skates after they said that, you know, he would never walk again. Um, you know, that's huge inspiration to me. And I think, um, yeah, that's kind of my drive in life. So I think I, I pull inspiration from anywhere and everywhere. Um, but yeah, it really hits home when, uh, I have a role model like that in my life. That, that is so awesome. Um, I, like you guys, kind of had a little bit of difficulty answering this question because people inspire me depending upon what the situation is. Um, I, you know, I've been really fortunate in that I've been part of the medical team for lots of games and the best games I've ever been at was the Invictus Games. And I've met some pretty cool athletes who are really high caliber. And these athletes were just regular Joe Blows 
who suffered from mental and physical ailments and hearing some of their stories and allowing these games to bring them out is just, I remember at the games I wore sunglasses and thankfully I did um, because I had tears in my eyes when they would tell me the stories about, you know, I suffered from PTSD and if it wasn't the Invictus Games, it was the first time I got out of my basement in a year. You know, so my students inspire me, lots of women inspire me. Um, but, you know, I've been thinking about this. I first met this woman a few years ago and her name is Latoya Shante Snell. And I first met her in 2019 in an ultra race. I was part of the medical team. Um, she's a sponsored athlete with Hoka 1-1, which is amazing to be a sponsored athlete. However, if you picture somebody who's running a hundred mile race, you don't picture LaToya. Um, for one thing, she's black and you never see black women for some reason or black individuals at uh, ultra races. But the other thing, she's, she's overweight and she's really overweight. In fact, she calls herself um, running fat chef. And I just was, you know, talking to her and she told me, she's like, hey, she's going to be on Good Morning America. And I let my bias get through because I'm like, really? Um, overweight people don't run 100 mile races and overweight people don't appear on Good Morning America. And she was telling me about these races and I went in with really like this disbelief. So when I got home, sure enough, she's on Good Morning America. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this woman is amazing. So I started reading up about her. And the more I read about her, the more my vision changed because I'm overweight. And you know, when you're dealing with my running friends, they're all really skinny, not really skinny, but they have a certain body type. And I always kind of found that, you know, I'm never taken seriously because I'm not your prototypical running body. And I love how she is very positive. She uh, inspires me as her attitude and her body positivity, much like you were talking about, Dave. She calls herself, like I said, the running fat chef. She embraces the word fat. Um, I struggle with body positivity and melding my athletic things that I do with my body. And she encourages me to continue. So she does have a website. Um, she does have a podcast, but I find that her attitude when I'm out on the trail and I think of her, you know, and she's not fast, she's, but she does it. And she has a quote that says, uh, your body is not a struggle. It is a revolution, shine bright, darling. And that's what my body is. And I will celebrate my body, not fight it. So she's one of my, my inspirations for my goal of, you know, continuing to run forward. So yeah, we all have people that we tap into much like Tracy was talking about as well. Love it. So until next time, we'll talk food, we'll talk fitness, and we'll do it together. Thanks for watching this week's episode of the Food and Fitness Podcast. Tune into our next episode when we sit down to talk with the Food and Fitness Power Couple, Jason Cooney and Erica Scobie.